and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another unique episode of The Trash Tapes. I'm Johan Schapal, the host of this pile of audio trash, broadcasting right here from my isolation station late at night, wondering when I can finally leave and embrace our bacterial overlords. This is another Lost Tape episode, the original ending of Season 2 and the conclusion of our Summer of Superhero Schlock. It was meant to then lead into our Halloween episode and our full build-up to a great festive special. But obviously, that didn't happen. So what happened? There were several reasons why this episode in particular didn't make the cut. And how this kind of led into a very short hiatus for myself and Ed. Firstly, I just wasn't happy with the production. Listening back to previous episodes during the pandemic era, when most of them would be done on Discord, I was starting to hate that phone call tinny sound that was coming from my side of the recordings. With these technical problems, it sounded unprofessional. And sure, while we have gotten used to that type of production because of COVID, you can hear it everywhere through television interviews and other podcasts, it just was becoming more difficult to me to handle it to mix it, to edit it, and to create something good out of it. As you will hear on this episode, there are moments where my vocals are magically transforming into an Autotune plugin. But luckily now, as you probably heard in our Johnny Mnemonic episode, the start of Season 3, we have now found a new and better way for to record the podcast and provide a clearer, better sound. No more robots here, no more t- spending hours and hours on end mixing and making sure it sounds right. It's so much of an easier process. So this means you might actually be getting a lot more episodes on the way. The second reason was that, well, I was actually burnt out. Because of the new tier restrictions here in the UK and changes to my place of work, my workload was starting to pile up in unique ways and needed my focus. I was not feeling that creative energy that this show needs to survive watching all these terrible movies on a bi-weekly basis. I began looking into other avenues, uh, such as streaming on our Enigmatic Play Twitch channel, making original video content, providing support on social media, and other side jobs alongside my teaching to get that satisfaction I needed. 
Now it's a new year and a new me. Um, which maybe I can't remember since Christmas was a blur of booze and cheese. But I'm wanting to put my dedication back into the trash tapes and more terrible movies to explore and hopefully with a great handful of guests to accompany Ed and I on this mountainous heap of bad VHSs. So what is this episode? Well, let me now present to you for your ears the bone-crushing events of Frank Castle as he saves a bus full of children in the 1989 Dolph Lundgren action cheese fest, The Punisher. Enjoy. I'm just going to say something. There's one thing I just realized, right? Mm. At least after watching this, is that really, really, I haven't actually seen a lot of Dolph Lundgren movies. I've just realized it because I've seen his back catalog and I have seen barely any of it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've seen Universal Soldier uh, and yeah. I've seen uh that that weird one where he's got that phobia of the color white i've told you about that before and he's like it's like it's a bit where what it's a bit where like a a, a like a container like a big lorry a container it smashes and all and it's con- all there's all milk inside the container and he's like freaking out in milk <laughs> like so Dolph Lundgren is scared of milk this is the, I, oh, i'm God. sure this has come think- up before I don't think so. This is a first. I, I would totally remember if you ever told me Dolph Lundgren is scared of milk. <laughs> you are about to experience trash cinema. Oh my God. Welcome to another episode of The Trash Tapes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I'm your host, Johan Chapal, and the inflictor of pain, and I am joined by my victim and DJ, Edward Harvey. How are you doing? I'm pretty well, dude. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. We are now reaching sort of the end cusp of summertime, where, um, uh, let's not, I'm not going to lie, I haven't gone out much. Um, so I'm sitting, I'm, sometimes I'm sitting there, like, waiting, like, oh, I want to do something. Like, and here I am just waiting, like, in a pair of boxer shorts, just thinking, I'm not really allowed out, aren't I? So I'm just going to lie here with a fan. Well, you're, you're certainly not allowed out in just your boxer shorts. <laughs> Well, it's, this, it's actually been quite hot, not going to lie. It's actually been quite hot. So I'm thinking, ah, I could get away with it. No, I can't get away with it. I'm just going to be a slob. Um, but it's, it's sad, actually, because of the whole pandemic situation that we haven't really had an opportunity to have, like, a super fun summer, like most of, like, like most summers, really. So Yeah. Yeah, it is a shame. Mm. And we haven't had all the, the big summer movies, have we? We've had the, just a little... I mean, yeah, I think the, the the newest movie, uh, there was one movie that came out as new, the Christopher Nolan one, Tenet. I went to see that. But in terms of, like, you normally yeah. over the summer, you get the big 
like superhero movies and that's why we're doing this this series isn't it of like these superhero pod, like podcast episodes because normally in the summer you get all the superhero movies and stuff like summer blockbusters yeah you get a whole bunch and yeah. we've got none of it this year we've got none of it so we're going to end this batch this is the last one we're doing because um, we had more planned out but August was weird so we're going to so we couldn't really do anything over the month of August so we are um, we're going to finish off this mini summer blockbuster trio we've gone back to marvel we've gone a bit grittier we've got a bit darker we've got a bit more gory we've got a bit more punchy ladies and gentlemen we are doing the 1989 dolph lundgren version of the punisher yeah <sighs> if society won't punish the guilty See this board here? Every time he kills somebody, I put a red pin in it. So far, the only thing that I've got to show for is these little calling cards here and a whole bunch of these. Now, let me tell you something about this Punisher. If he ever shows up within 1,000 yards of me, You'll find out what the word punished really means. He defends the innocent. But if you're guilty, he gives no warning and shows no mercy. What the hell is this? Trouble. Dolph Lundgren, Louis Gossett Jr. Mr. P, happy hunting! Punisher. Justice with a vengeance. Okay. Dolph Lundgren's the Punisher. Now, um, what do you, first of all, uh, what's your memory of this movie? Because I only really remember it vaguely before watching it again on late night television. That's it. And even then I thought I was making it up. So... So what do you think? My memory is only of seeing the VHS cover in the video shop. Mm. Uh, I just yeah. remember seeing it thinking, uh, that looks good. But I, I, at the time, I, it was an 18, so I couldn't see it. Like, and I wasn't allowed... Yeah. I was allowed to see... Sometimes I was allowed to see 15s, but never 18s when I was a kid. Uh, so, like, it, I, I just... I kind of missed the boat on it. So it was, in, it was in video shops a little bit later, I think, in about sort of, like, 91... Maybe, uh, maybe mm. 1990. Um, yeah. It was one of one of those weird movies, actually, that actually was released earlier in, like, Europe, wasn't it, and stuff. like, And it came out late in the in America. It came out in 91 in America, I think. And, uh, and, and, and that's... And that, you, you know, this was a joke, and you were saying before, but this explains a reason, because you were telling me multiple ways to watch this movie. Mm. Um, one more, the whole movie is available on YouTube, if you're sneaky, but it's proper VHS quality, nothing great. Um, if you're going to try and watch it on Amazon Prime, you said, like, oh, if you can't really watch it because it's dubbed in German. Um, but <laughs> the reason why is because that was the first place it got properly premiered. Yeah, yeah, it was in Germany. Yeah, and it's so yeah, the Germans got it first. 
Yeah. And, and it was, so it had pretty much a worldwide theatrical release apart from the US, Sweden and South Africa, apparently. Yeah. So. Yep, and we'll go into the reasons why, because it's kind of interesting why what happened there. Um, but yeah, um, this is a movie that I only ever saw on television late at night, passing through as a kid. I'm not really sure what it was because, for some re- for reasons we'll explain later, um, I never, I didn't even think it was a Punisher movie for the longest time. So we'll go right into it. The Punisher is a 1989 American action movie directed by Mark Goldblatt. Uh, which was starring Dolph Lundgren, right? He's playing the titular character of Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, right? It's based off the Marvel character of the same name, but there were a few changes. Uh, The film changes quite a few things about the character. Um, Do you know actually any of those instant changes before uh, before I kind of show you what happened? Uh, the biggest one, probably his family is killed in a car bomb in this movie, uh, which was ma- yes. ma- meant for him. Uh, whereas in the comics, mm-hmm. they're killed because they witness a gangland execution in the park, like in Central Park. That's that's how the, ori- the proper mm-hmm. origin. So they completely transform yeah. the origin of, of, of like how he becomes the Punisher. Um, that's one. And he doesn't wear the skull logo at all. Uh, yes. Uh, he has. He just has it on the little daggers, doesn't he? That's the only time you see. He has these knives, and they've got a skull on the knife, and that's the only real. Yes. Uh, and also, there's another minor one: the fact that uh, he he never really rides a motorbike in the comic, but it's a massive thing for him to ride a motorbike in this movie, just because it looks cool. But it's not what the Punisher does. He doesn't have a motorbike, you know. No, but also four on top of that as well. Frank Castle is supposed to be... uh, They never really play off the whole ex-Marine thing in this movie. They actually really push far more the idea that he was a cop more than anything else. That he's like, oh, he was an ex-cop. When really, he was realistic. The whole thing that... I think in the original one, he wasn't really a cop. He just came back from being an ex-Marine. He witnessed a gang violence thing. Blah, blah, blah. Family gets killed off. No, yeah, he was was never a cop at all in the comic. They've just added that. And and if you read up on the synopsis of the movie, it says ex-Marine... Frank Castle, but it never mentions in the movie that he was an ex-marine. Yeah, never mentions it. He just look. He just sounds like a disgruntled cop. So if you combine all those together, the fact that the Punisher has a motorcycle, like a Harley Davidson, Mm. all right. Uh, The fact that there's no skull on the actual shirt, which is his actual logo. The fact that they never mention that he's a marine, or the fact that he's you know, and also the fact that the origin story of his family was different. Combine all that together, it doesn't sound like Punisher. So no wonder when I was a kid, I was browsing through it. I didn't even know this was a Punisher because it doesn't look or sound like it. No, and also he lives in the sewers like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I don't know whether that was a thing in the comics, but I don't think it was. I don't think he lived in the sewer. He might have lived in an underground base or something, but he was actually in the sewer in this movie. <laughs> Maybe like the turtles oh. were starting to get a bit big. Maybe thought, let's go with the turtle thing and have him in the, in the sewers. Well, we're going to talk about the sewer when we get to it, because what is even that? We'll get to it in a minute. So, yeah, um, that was basically the, the Punisher, as we all, if we, anyone knows the Punisher character, that's what it is. And it's interesting that the movie didn't really stick with it. Like, we're already talking about how Marvel 
back when we did the Captain America episode, how we looked at how Marvel didn't really do very well with movies. No. Yeah. Because they don't really they don't really know what to do with their property. Right. Mm. So because they because Marvel was very broke quite a lot of the time, um they would sell uh prop they would sell sort of like a whole bunch of stuff, a bunch of their characters and IPs over to sort of um to anyone that would ask for it. Yes. Which is not good. But um here's an interesting thing. At one point, the comic book company was actually uh actually was bought was actually owned by a production company called New World Pictures. Yeah. Right? So New World Pictures uh actually bought actually almost like co-owned Marvel at that moment. Uh trying to focus on trying to get movie productions out of it, right? Who bought they actually bought the the, comp- the comic company and their characters for a couple of years prior. Right, mm. so they actually bought it. But a lot of the agreements beforehand, like with Captain America and a few others, were done beforehand. So that's why Captain America happened and a whole bunch of weird stuff happened in the 80s because, again, they were just frivolous. Like Stanley and everyone else going like, you, you have a character, you have a character, you have a character, everyone has a character! Yeah. But we don't have any leftover. So that's when New World Pictures came in, bought the company, and their characters... Uh, and tried to go for that. So they're saying, right, what can we do now that we own it? Okay, well, we're going to try The Punisher. Now, honestly, The Punisher is a good idea, Mm. especially during the 80s, because the premise of The Punisher, in general, just works like a generic 80s action shooter. Yeah. I think Dolph Lundgren even joked that it's like Terminator meets, uh, meets Batman. And it's like, exactly. it's just laughing about it. But it kind of is, isn't it, this movie? It's like that. It totally is, because it's got the, it's, it's the dark and broody kind of feel of Batman with the whole I'll be back shooty shooty mm. of the Terminator. In fact, at one point, you can almost you can almost imagine Dolph Lundgren, because he's wearing like the leather jacket and everything else. He's sitting there going like, you are basically being a Terminator robot. You are a cyborg, because mm. his, his acting just kind of matches it as well, to be frank. Um <laughs> <laughs> to be frank, no pun intended. I didn't even know I said that. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's pretty bad. Now, here's another thing as well. Apparently, uh, the whole thing was a skull as well. Uh, despite an un- Apparently, there was a rumour going around that um, Marvel didn't actually grant the filmmakers the use of the skull logo. But the comic book book actually was supported, actually supported the production of the film and was involved. So a lot of them were consultants. The only reason why it wasn't done, because basically the filmmaker kind of, apparently there was, it's a hearsay, she said. He says, she said kind of situation where Stanley said, oh, we allowed them full quality, but they they weren't doing what we were saying, right? That's what like Stanley, Karl Potts and Tom DeFlanco, people from Marvel, were saying, oh, we had a, they weren't doing what we were saying. They were contradicting. They weren't following what we were trying to do, the vision that we were trying to do. Well, filmmakers saying that these guys really limited themselves a lot and say, like, well, you can't have this, this, and this. It's like, well, this is a Punisher. How can we not do that? At one point, and here's the thing, Stanley actually said, and I quote, that uh, he wasn't very happy with the movie. He wasn't very happy the first time around with the movie, the first cut of it, because he thought it was too violent. But the filmmaker actually said, but it's the Punisher. What do you expect? 
Yeah, and apparently um, the director still doesn't regret not using the skull logo because he he it was his decision not to use it. He wanted it to be a more sort of serious kind of look, like, and he didn't think because the image of the Punisher in the comics was kind of in like a spandex kind of like full body yeah. tight outfit with a big skull, and he wanted like mm. a more realistic look. But the trouble is. There's a bit of a contradiction there because the movie is dead cheesy and yet he's got a serious oh, look. Yes. So why not just mm. go full on cheesy because you're already there with the actual the way the movie's put together. So but you've got this serious mm. look so it's kind of contradicting itself really. Here's sort of the thing I always find interesting with the early adaptations of these characters that eventually get adapted later. Right. Like, for example, when you look at things like the Captain America movie from the 1990s and then look at the one done very recently, you can see how they were trying to do something like that. Yeah. But failed a little bit. And then they just made a little bit cheesy with it. If you look at the recent Punisher TV series, which uh, quick plug in, we did do a video uh, discussing the series at one point. Um, If you look at his version of Punisher, you know. It's serious, but it's got the flipping skull on it, you know? Like, it's got the skull on, like, this protective bulletproof vest. And that looks cool and still looks like the comic. By removing the skull, I think, like I said, I had no idea this was a Punisher movie until, well, until for the longest time, because this, it felt like a very generic cookie-cutter 1980s action movie. Well, yeah, I mean, if you see, the, the only... I mean, if if you remove the the Punisher text from the poster, you wouldn't yeah. know it was a Punisher because yeah, he's got the similar kind of look as like you'd imagine the Punisher look like. But he's got this the, mm. the bike on is on the poster and stuff, and he's got like he hasn't got the skull, so nothing. And the only thing it makes it look Punisher is the big text that's the same as the comic that says the Punisher. But that's if you the remove Punisher. that, yeah, it's just not the Punisher. Uh, it's, it's, it's not it's yeah that, you're right the series did uh included the skull because that's what fans want to see they want to see him with the skull on his chest and you can make it realistic mm. it's just clever you'd have to be clever how you write it in don't you i mean he's, he had it sort of spray painted on a flak jacket and it looked absolutely awesome you know yeah it looked great mm. but i think i think i think it's something we're learning when it comes to, like, the 80s and 90s. I just think a lot of filmmakers from the 80s and 90s, especially, like, B-movie stuff, don't really know what they're doing. Or they think, like, we're going to be different. And they try something so away from the source material. Because clearly comic book superheroes were not taken seriously in the 80s and 90s. And even when they were, they were Batman, <laughs> really. And even then, the second Batman movie after that, Batman Returns, nothing like the comic book at all. No. So full on Tim yeah. Burton by that point, just like yeah, yeah. Like why the Penguin is actually a bird person, okay? Yeah. Who has penguin henchmen, and the Catwoman gets cat powers by being licked and scratched by a thousand cats. But okay, I mean, I'm a big Tim Burton fan, so I, I'm perfectly happy with that. But actually, here's the thing: most of the production of this movie turned out pretty smoothly at the time. There's no, there wasn't any hiccups. A lot of people generally thought that this movie was actually doing okay. They were very into it and so on. And Dolph Lundgren actually did a little bit of a um, 
did a little bit of research into the Punisher, actually. Yeah. Because it's worth it. Here's another interesting thing. Not unlike nowadays, people seem to be really big fans of characters and comic book characters that they, uh, like they play, like Ryan Reynolds, very much into Deadpool, always was into Deadpool beforehand. Uh, you can see how some characters who end up playing them already know about source material, etc. Dolph London wasn't a big, wasn't very much into the comic at the beginning, did a little bit of research on it, but then did his own separate little thing. And that's uh, so, well. It was. It wasn't looked. He decided to not look into the character of Frank Castle and his motivations and everything else. He started to look at uh, other kinds of vigilantes, literally people who decide to go on murderous rampages on their own. Which is yeah, great, but no, don't use actual like mass massacres as your influence, Dolph. No. Great, super. No, I mean, if you're just talking about Dolph in general, like his his portrayal of Frank Castle, his acting is awful in in this movie. And like he, well, I do like his look. I think I've said that earlier. He looks like the Punisher, and he his the tone of his voice is awesome. But he just the yeah. it's just the words that actually come out with that tone, uh, the way he delivers. Yeah. He even had to make changes to you know those like weird. We'll go get onto it in a minute. But you know the weird kind of monologue bits of voiceover in the sewer. Yeah. He actually had to uh, adapt the script so he could say them properly because <laughs> like he wanted it to like it had to be changed so that he could actually say the words like and deliver it right but it still sounded a bit off even with him changing it so yeah because um because remember that i think it's basically because you say like this is not what i would say and like nowadays people do that actually like big name actors have actual script writers on set so when you look at someone when someone brings in like a script and goes like uh like will smith goes over and says um excuse me but this is not what i would say if it's like, yeah, but the character would say that, but no, I'm Will Smith. Um, Will Smith would say that. So, uh, script, come on, come in, rewrite this for Will Smith, please. Yeah, make it more sound like more like Will Smith. This is legit true. Will Smith does have a script writer that changes all this dialogue to say make it sound more like Will Smith. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's just that. It's just that Dolph Lundgren just took it to his own hand, saying, "Well, I ain't saying this. Oh, I'll just say this instead." <laughs> Apparently, half it was improvised as well. So great. Super, wonderful, also, great start. Also, I don't know about you, but in general, his performance, it's like he was channeling like a lethargic, mopey teenager. He's like really tired and like full of angst. Everyone's like, everyone is acting their socks off a lot of the time around him. Like you've got um, uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. He was an Academy Award winning yes. actor who plays Jake, the partner, the ex-partner. He's absolutely mm-hmm. awesome, and I've got a clip of the the, uh, the the scene that they share, and we'll get when we get to that bit. I'll play that clip, mm-hmm. but he's acting socks off, and like Dolph Lundgren's just kind of being mopey in front of him, like he's got nothing to like bounce off. Rumor has it that Dolph Lundgren went without sleep for the entire, with barely any sleep throughout the entirety of the production to achieve the Frank Castle look. Is that a rumour, though, or is that actually fact? Because it's rumoured, but I honestly could believe it. Yeah, because... Because he sounds tired. Yeah. And I get that, like, people who are depressed was, uh, uh, might be, like, run down, but he doesn't sound, seem like he's depressed. He just seems like he's actually knackered. 
<laughs> it just seems I'm so tired. Uh, like, what am I doing here? Oh my goodness, it's uh, pretty bad. Because he's quite huffy, um, he's quite huffy, isn't he? Like, so like when yeah. he, when uh, Jake's new partner, the uh, Sam. Uh, is that is it Sam or like yeah when she she's mm. telling him something at some one point and he's like dead huffy back to her like oh, oh, god like that and yeah. he's just that's how he's responding to her like he's just like angst yeah another thing as well adding to the and and to look and the angst of it is Dolph Lundgren has a fake beard they designed the fake beard to make his face look more like a skull which is already dumb enough as it is but combine that with lack of sleep. And combine that with what he t- decided to do in order to get to get into shape for this movie, which he went back into his karate regime. Yeah. But remember, he was a martial artist, right? So he went back into this strong, rigorous training regime months before the movie kicked in. But imagine trying to work out a really rigorous karate routine. Combine that with lack of sleep. Have using your main source material, not Frank Castle, but actual vigilante mass murderers. Combine this together, and then you've got what this weird Dolph Lundgren mess is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My God, it's special. When it came to the release of the movie, uh, the movie was done, it went out of hitch. The The movie was actually, originally had a cut of 100 minutes. Okay, so because there was apparently a whole prologue that was removed from the movie, which was actually the whole like the whole thing at the beginning, which was like the whole, um, you know, Frank Castle family murder situation. Yeah, was actually filmed prior. Uh, originally, that was a thing. And also, it also included a sort of um, a sting kind of operation, which would include a little a few, which actually included a few of the characters that were recurring. Such as, for example, the partner of the uh, of of the other cop. So the, the the woman. I can't remember her name. That's probably I can't remember anybody's name in this movie. Her character um, is Sam Leary, played by Nancy. Sam, um, yeah, yeah, played by Nancy. Yeah, so Edward. Sam, right? Yeah. Uh, so did you know that there's a line that they say, for example, that Sam actually. Um, uh, how can I put this? That Sam actually, you know, when, when Sam's talking up to the guy and say like, oh, do you remember that sting operation that we worked on before? No, that sting operation we worked on before and I yeah. was under, undercover. I was the hooker, right? Right, yeah. That hooker bit was in the prologue. Yeah. So in other words then, there was actually more stuff paying off and more things and so on and more like a development of time, but that was completely removed. As well as a few little extra tidbits and scenes in between that was cut off um, mostly because it was, um, I think they were just trying to, I think sometimes they said, oh, it's pacing issues. But actually, a lot of people said the 100-minute cut actually works a lot better narratively, which I'll, uh, which I'll explain in my, my gripes about that in a minute. I imagine a lot of that stuff was done because of the popularity of things like Lethal Weapon, like all the cop type stuff. Mm. Yeah, but the movie isn't supposed to be about the cops. I know. It's supposed... I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Ah. Oh goodness gracious! The film got was given a general theatrical release, except in three places. The places you mentioned. The film was originally slated to for the for the U.S. release in 1989, as trailers were created by New World promoting the film. It was premiered in Germany and in France in 1989, and it was shown months later in the Los Angeles Comic Con. 
uh, you know, Los Angeles Comic Con, right, in 1990. However, the film never got a wide theatrical release, mostly because New World, uh, New World actually was in such financial difficulties, and they had, and by that point, they'd lost all interest in the product. So mm-hmm. it was sold to a company called Live Entertainment, which is now called Lionsgate. Hey, yeah. okay. And they decided to release those direct, to direct-to-video and VHS and Laserdisc in 1991, which is why you were saying, oh, wait a minute, uh, I, I, it, it was later than I expected. You see 1989, oh, you didn't see it until 1991? That's the reason why. Mm. Okay, so the reviews. Critical reception. The film was ma- get, was received mainly negative reviews. At the moment, it holds about 28% on Rotten Tomatoes and about a 3.5 out of 10 on average. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, on the most part, yes. Yeah, I don't think it's a good movie at all. That I think there's, like we discussed right at the beginning, I don't think we were recording at that point, there's like, there's only little elements of gold in this. The rest of it is either dull or just like really bad. Like the acting throughout is terrible. And it's just, it's oh, just, there's there's, some... yeah, I, I think it's quite cheesy, which I like. Uh, yeah. But no, in general, it should get a bad review because it's it's not very good at all. Well, let's see what some of the critics have said. So, uh, one of them says, despite the steamingly indestructible Dolph Lundgren with a crossbow, which we'll get to the crossbow, uh, the Punisher is a boring one-man battle with never-ending action sequences. Mm. All right, that, that's one. We, I think I can agree with that. Christopher Null gave the film one out of five, stating that the film was marred by cheeseball set and special effects, lame fight sequences, and some of the worst acting ever to disgrace the screen wow that's harsh i wouldn't go that bad no i have that's pretty bad i've definitely seen worse acting yeah so but it's pretty bad for an action movie i know and it's weird how it Mm. can be called boring even though it's like wall-to-wall action sequences but i think they're crap though aren't they a lot of the action sequences are really bad so yeah i mean we'll get to them as we get to the plot but christ on a bike um there's a lot of things here. Now, here's the thing. Um, there are some movies later on. Uh, late, some later magazines have given it a second look because, you know, this this had some distribution later on in life. Like, for example, it was finally premiered in the United States on, on, a, on the big screen in 2008. Wow. Right? That's the first time it ever had a release in cinemas, even if it was just for a couple of conventions, mm. like properly. Right, um, and it also like and even again where it's even, it's even had Dolph and, and on that one and a few other ones in two thousand nine and two thousand ten, Dolph Lundgren even made an appearance. So he was actually doing the the theater circuit around that time, yeah, which explained his career. Um, but because of that, quite a few people started to reevaluate the movie. And actually gave it some praise, and I'll throw some of that at you. It says, while criticizing the film's storyline and acting, Time Out magazine actually concluded the film was destructive, reprehensible, but marvelously fun. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Okay, TV Guide, this is the most praising one I think I've seen. Uh, TV Guide's movie g- gave it three out of four stars. Wow. Praising Dolph Lundgren's portrayal of the character and compared the characterization of the Punisher to that of Frank Miller's reimagining of Batman. All oh, right, okay. What in the Dark Knight Returns? 
Yes. Yeah. I don't think it's that good. That's overshooting a bit. <laughs> I know. That feels rather like you know, that. That is. That's really pushing the bar quite high there. Yeah. And it's nowhere. It nowhere near reaches that uh, level at all. You think they slipped them some money? It was just like. It's like, hey, buddy, uh, look, look, um, especially with TV guys, hey, you know, we, we got this movie in circulation. We have to keep it playing on TV. Really praise it. Yeah, we need the ratings. Just give it. Come on. Just, just get, say something good about it. It's ridiculous. That's really harsh, actually. Uh, I mean, it does, a have a, it, does have a grit, it does have a gritty atmosphere. I will give it that. And it is fun in places. So I would agree with those two points. But the fact that the, he's compared it to Batman, like the Frank Miller, dark, broody Batman, yeah. does not click. No. And that's pretty much all. That's pretty much all. All of it in terms of his development, except one little thing. In 1990, a 64-page comic book adaptation of the movie written by Karl Potts, who was one of the made of Marvel, was released by that point. So there is now a a an actual is now officially the movie's technically canon in comic book form because there's an adaptation of it that's following the actual Frank Castle and some of the backstory, etc. They've actually obviously changed it, but it's mostly the gangster stuff and the interplay with uh, with uh, with them and him being the the man in the middle kind of situation. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Which, which, and that's the thing to me. I think like okay, the premise for the movie, which we'll get to in a second, yeah works kind of um but there's there's far more like it, it, it needed a bit more work and actually I'm quite glad it got reworked and put into a comic and probably done better so there we go um right before we kick off we're gonna finally go through the movie bit by bit but we're gonna go and pretty much do the synopsis if there if, if there's actually any synopsis in this thing because there we go <laughs> Okay, there's quite a few of these actually on IMDb, and some of them are cheesy as balls. So I'm quite tempted to do uh, the one that's really over elaborate. Um, okay, so I mean this of IMDb, by the way. So is whether whoever wrote this perfect? Okay, so I might put on a gritty voice for this because it sounds like he needs he needs a gritty voice to go with it. So, yeah. um, so it goes like he is the city's most wanted and the most mysterious. Vigilante. He has killed 125 people in the last five years. He is the Punisher, a one-man weapon against crime. In reality, the Punisher is Frank Castle, an ex-cop whose family was murdered by mobsters. Now legally declared dead, he strikes back from beyond the grave, killing mobsters when, wherever they can't find them. As a result of this, the mobster families are weakened, forcing Gianni Franco, one of the leaders one of the leaders of one of the families to come in and take control. Franco has a plan to bring the families together as one unit. However, this has attracted the attention of the Yakuza, Asia's most powerful crime syndicate, who's decided to take over the families and all their interests. In order to sway the mobster's cause, they kidnap their loved ones and their children. And now the Punisher must fight to save the lives of not only the children of the people he fought against five years, but at the same time, fight alongside them to kill his family and everyone in one solemn mess. Wow! Excellent. <laughs> oh, my voice got a bit croaky at the end of it. Like, I, can, I don't know how much longer I can keep this voice for. Oh, yeah. man. 
So, like I said, in a weird thing like this, again, if you got rid of anything Frank Castle related, this is any generic vigilante movie. It almost feels a little bit like a Death Wish movie. Yeah, or um, like Cobra. If like Cobra wasn't a cop anymore. It, oh my God, this, could, this was a sequel to Cobra. Yeah. I actually think this would have been awesome as a Cobra sequel. Sylvester Lowe coming in and saying like, well, I was, I was kicked off the force for being too hardcore. So now I'm going to do my own vigilante justice without the caps. And it's just, it makes sense. That makes far more sense than what we actually got. Yeah. So, and we have, um, by the way, we have, we have reviewed the Cobra movie. So if you want to check out that episode, you can do. Can we talk about the opening first? Which is, there's this weird-ass James Bond-like opening. Which has got this music. I just played it. Yeah, I played it while you were doing the synopsis. It's 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 basically, yeah, it's almost like like Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo or something. Like, weird. Oh, like no. old school like graphics like very sort of like psychedelic colors while this music's mm. in the background and you just see random weird like shots of like uh the punisher and like all the, the people like he's killed and whatnot like sort of criminals and whatnot like crime and, and it's all yeah. sort of like greens and purples and stuff like that and just very odd doesn't suit marvel at all but not much of this movie is very marvel so yeah i mean the whole thing kind of it was very disorientating to see that first which is probably the reason why there was a prologue at the beginning right Mm. originally the the whole like i think it was going to be a cold open right yeah where you have the murder happening of this family and then uh, a bit of a sting job you know, and then it got to the credits and then it got to the opening sequence, which might have been jarring, but less jarring than just going right face first into it with the whole, again, I, for me, it felt like a weird James Bond opening yeah. combined with Alfred Hitchcock. And then cuts right into the heart of the action with, 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 oh man. Okay. So it cuts right into the heart of the action where he's talking about, I believe it's one of the, um, I think it's basically someone running for Senate or something along the lines of that. And he's got, he's getting the interview um, randomly. Again, we're not even basically mentioning nothing about Punisher yet. We don't even know how he looks like or anything. No, well, it, it kicks off first with the news report, doesn't it? Like news reporters kind of like, he's talking about the crime in the city. And then he also yeah. says that uh, a guy's just been re- released from like, of all charges. Then it cuts to that report, doesn't it? And that, the report... Yeah. Of, He's a cocky kind of... He's like it's secretly a crime boss, isn't he? But he's kind of like a political mm. figure as well. And just have a listen yeah, to this. Yeah, because he's... Yeah. Just have a listen to this guy. Mr. Moretti, Mr. Moretti, Mr. Moretti, how does it feel to be finally acquitted? It feels great. Just great. Mr. Moretti, Mr. Now, let me tell you something about this Punisher, whoever he is. If he ever shows up within 1,000 yards of me, he'll find out what the word punished really means. Ooh. So that's he's a really cheesy guy. And basically that scene is yeah. also just telling you that the justice system doesn't work. That's why you need the Punisher. That's all that's, that's for, you know. Yeah, but it's not done properly, isn't it? I mean, no. this is the reason why I think the prologue would have worked well. You saw the reason why... Frank Castle's Frank Castle, and also see a sting operation 
which goes a little bit awry with Frank Castle involved. And that just works better. Yeah. Um, but no, you've you got this one guy basically who, that accent, by the way, that's not a real voice, is it? <laughs> I think it's great. I, I, I hate that. I, that, that. Just hearing it again annoyed me. <laughs> it's like, I mean, the, the movie, I can't, I can't quite wait, figure out. I think it's a combination of right, bad writing and bad uh, acting. But it's like, yeah. it, it, people don't talk like that, do they? Do, were they going for like a comic book kind of vibe? Because sometimes people talk like that in comics. So I don't know, maybe they're tr- so. trying go, to go for it. But you can't f- really fully adapt a comic to screen because it sounds cheesy. You need to kind of change it to, to how people actually talk in real life, don't you? It doesn't work that yeah. way. But he's so cheesy. I, but I do, I wish you got more of that guy, but he, he gets his come up, comeuppance pretty early on, doesn't he? Like after, pretty much after that scene. Uh, he's tracked down mm. by uh, the Punisher. He goes to his big, rich mansion type place and just kills all his guys. And uh, yeah, he yeah. Get, get, he, so basically, that guy's just been freed, and then he just gets killed. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, that's the thing. He's he's freed, and then he's killed. And the thing is, this I know it's weird and it's dumb, but when, when I send you a message while watching this and say like, "I'm just starting to watch it. This is already great," and it's this sequence. So he goes to the house. Is it? It's him going to the house, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, and what I love about this is how you see him killing everybody so he goes so so the guy goes into the house and then obviously frank castle's in there right but you don't see frank castle you see part of his body yeah well it's kind of it's kind of building up like the mystique isn't it you just see his feet walking through like his big boots walking through the place or you might just see like the back of him or something like that and he's it's kind of building up that thing like the kind of thing they do in like they do that a lot in like slasher movies, don't they? When they kind of you don't see mm. the the actual char- the actual killer for a bit, do you? Yeah, but the way it's done was too funny because once you got into it, the moment at one point you just see a fist come from the side of the screen, <laughs> knocking a man out. Right, but it's like boom, and you're thinking that is dumb. And then a foot, the foot got me because then again a foot comes from the side of the screen and just. Okay, right, okay. And then, there's, and then there's another part involving a piece of rope. The rope one was funny. Because oh, yeah, suddenly he, you see a piece of rope just drop. Yeah, and he just hang, he just hangs him from the banister, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that was, again, perfect timing. But again, it just goes whoop. Whoosh. And I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, oh, he's quick. Oh, he's, he's always prepared. It just looks goofy. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, if this is the whole movie, I am so game for this. Because then the guy comes out, he's got a gun. And then you see and then basically becomes like point of view, almost like killer, you know, like slasher movie point of yeah. view. Where he's coming in and you see his face going, No. And then and, and again, weirder. All the and then after that, it cuts directly to all the reporters outside the house. Mm. And oh boy, this is great. Because the reporters just hear a gunshot and go, oh no, what's happening? We've got to go in there. Suddenly the whole the whole place catches fire. Yeah. The whole place at once. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then man. you just literally see a silhouette with fire behind it in the doorway. It's just a silhouette of Frank Castle. That's in the doorway. And like they're going, that's, that's, that's the Punisher. That's the Punisher. It's got to be the Punisher. And he just kind of walks off and then the whole house blows up, doesn't it? <laughs> it blows up in seconds 
like, I, it's so good because Frank Castle's there in the silhouette. He escapes the house. I never see such a massive explosion. Mm. It was glorious. And it also makes me think, where the fuck are the reporters? How big is this estate? Yeah. When the reporters are nowhere near the blast. Right? And it's so funny. It's so funny. It was a perfect mood setter. Yeah. Um, for me to make me think like, oh, this movie's going to be great. This movie's going to be great. Was the house actually made, yeah, was, out, made out of dynamite? It was, it's made, it's, it's lined, it's lined with like gasoline. <laughs> it's lined with gasoline. It exploded in a huge puff of smoke. Yeah. First, you hear Dolph Lundgren for the first time in his proper voices, which is like, he's very uh, tired. American style voice. Uh, I am. I'm Frank Castle. Oh God, he sounded tired. You're hearing the voiceover in the sewers. Yeah, and you get this weird little shot where the camera is following him into a place where it looks like Frank Castle's meditating, right? But he's meditating in the nude. Yeah. Okay, and this. I remember this. He's naked. You see his butt, like full on mad butt. And it zooms in through his body and then up from his abs, barely seeing any crotch, going upwards to reveal his face where the, where the, where the fake beard has, has and his, his tiredness and his fake beard is so like inclined into his face, it looks like a skull. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and moody lighting, and it's like, yeah, okay. But you sit there going, what the hell was that? That's not an intro, that was weird. I know, I think we've got to hear it, haven't we? Yeah, let's do it. Come on, God, answer me. <laughs> For years I'm asking you why. Why are the innocent dead and the guilty alive? Where is justice? Where is punishment? Or have you already answered? Have you already said to the world, here is justice, here is punishment, here in me. In me. <laughs> that is, the camera literally goes in him. It is it's really cool, though, in a weird way. And that's actually been sampled by the metal band Biohazard in their song Punishment. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was actually that was actually a factoid I was mm. going to throw out there. Yeah, because the metal band liked them like that little snippet so much that, that that prologue so much that they decided to put it into the intro of one of their songs. Just cool, never lie, yeah. awesome. But, but it's, it's just also the, just really bizarre. It's the visuals. It's like it's so eighties to have him naked and like oiled up. Like <laughs> why? Why? Okay, so he's in the sewers. Clearly, he's in the sewers, right? One, why are you in the sewers? Two, why are you naked in the sewers? That's another question. Three, why are you naked in the first place? Four, why are you sitting there just staring into what looks like nothing? Is it a shrine? I don't know, because it doesn't really show it. It's just, it's the 80s, mate. You you remember, like, Die Odd 2, you've got naked (laughs) yoga, like, from the bad guy. That, to me, was always one of the funniest things in about the 80s. About I think, you know, in a weird way, this is funny, because you know how the 80s, in a weird way, was both kind of homophobic, but also very homoerotic, right? Oh, yeah. This is an example of it. This is an example of it being, here's Dolph Lundgren, a very attractive, big, buff, six-foot-five crazy man, right? with abs and hair of wonder, be sitting there with his ass out. 
Yeah. The camera zooming in through him and out to reveal his pectorals and abs. Yeah, well, this is, this is what I was saying. Like, the 80s, they loved beautiful people, like men or women, and they just liked, like, yeah. bodies on film, didn't they? Like, naked bodies on mm. film. Like, so it didn't matter what sex it was. Yeah, if they just want to say, we need to show this off. Like, mm. They say, you've got abs, we're showing off those abs. It doesn't matter. It's not even necessary. You, we'll, we'll have you topless. Women like toplessness. Let's go. Um, it's ridiculous. But that, to me, was... That, see, I know it's... This is, again, this is all within the first five to ten minutes of the movie. Like, this is all just the first ten minutes. Yeah. Right? And already, I am pumped. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, we have naked Dolph Lundgren. We have, the, we have a very tired-ass monologue. A house explodes for no reason. Uh, body parts are flying back and forth. I am pumped. Yeah, definitely. And then it slows the fuck down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. But you do get some interesting, funny like funny bits. Like, like I already liked the crime, the cocky crime boss, like, coming out of, out of court. Uh, and and yeah. a little bit after that, you get, there's, like, an operation at the docks and, like, some goons at the docks, like, having a, they're going to have yeah. a fight. But the goons are really funny. There's a clip of the goons. Very difficult. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Hey, there's 500 million dollars out there, assholes. Cool out. Here. <laughs> Who says cool out? Cool out. This this whole bit, this whole movie, all the goons are every 80s Italian-American stereotype. Like, what? I think there's one there's a guy going, I'm walking here. There's a, there's a bit where a guy going, hey, I'm doing my thing here. Yeah. It's all terrible. I love the way they can't, like, there's no more insults other than fuck you. Different levels of fuck you in that. It's hilarious. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you and your mama. It's all that. Every time you cut to um, a goon, in general, they all sound like the worst stereotypes of Italian Americans. Yeah. It's hilarious. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Can we talk about the drunken actor? Oh, Shake. Yeah, Shakespeare. Yes. He's, he's given that name. It's short for Shakespeare because he's a he's a theatre an ex theatre performer, and all his dialogue yeah. is delivered in like a Shakespearean kind of way. It's really weird. <laughs> can I can I just say whose idea was this? Like, is this part? Of, look, I haven't read a lot of, of Frank Castle. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not, I haven't read a lot of Punisher. Is he actually a character in 
the comics? Uh, or is this just a weird movie thing? I think it's a movie thing. He's meant to represent Ka- uh, Frank's conscience. So, <laughs> like, conscience. he is. He's supposed to. That, that's he's the whole a horrible person. That's the whole uh, reason he was put in there. Because if you think about it, the there's a scene where he's got to save the kids and he's convinced to save the kids mm. by Shake. He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for Shake's influence. So he's kind of represents the, the conscience in Frank. And there are characters in in Punisher that represent that kind of thing, in, in, but there are different people. It's never like, I don't think he had, this Shake guy is actually in the comics. I might be wrong, but I'm... And pretty... this is the problem. Because it, it, yeah, I don't think it is him because I bet you that other characters I've played, you know, like people's, you know, of, you know, the Punisher's conscience. Frank Castle has people he still loves or he's growing to love. We've seen that in the TV series. We've even seen that in the other iterations of Punisher. Like there are other iterations of Punisher, like the like a what like I think it's a Warzone Punisher Warzone. There's a very character very similar to that, yeah. and we've also got obviously the one with Thomas Jane, which honestly. That's a pretty decent movie, even if it's, if, but it still has the cheese of it, especially with John Travolta. Yeah. But again, they still have um, a bit, a character that's supposed to be, you know, Frank Castle's conscience. Mm. But whoever the flipping hell decided to pick him as a conscience is the worst because you first introduce him in the bar, he goes to a bar because he's a drunk. I saw, and that's why I also think he's called Shake. He can't get nothing but, he does nothing but flipping tremors. Because he's constantly shaking, demanding booze. Yeah. Um, he goes to a guy, begs a guy, and he actually, uh, uh, there's a one, I don't know if you have this joke. It's a really bad joke, but it's funny. Um, like, uh, the guy is saying, do you, do you not care to give me a couple of money for a fellow, for, for, for a starving thespian like myself? And the other guy, the other guy, you take, he stops and looks like, what the hell is a thespian? Like, it's some kind of like homo, like, are you yeah. coming on to me? I haven't got a clip of and that. And he goes, but... I am an actor. Yeah. He's a, he goes, is a, he's a, he's a weird character. I, I don't think he's that essential, to be honest, in, in the movie. It's just, uh, maybe a bit of comedy like, to lighten it a little bit, but he, he's a weird character. And he's, he's meant to be a good character and represent the conscience, but he sounds creepy as fuck. Like, really creepy. Let's have oh, a listen. Creepo. Let's have a listen to him. Hello. Come out. Come out wherever you are. Oh. Oh. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. I'd better get out of here on the double. Ah. <laughs> you know, oh, if you want to look for entrances, you should consider a career in the theatre. I'll think about it. <laughs> So that was like basically Shake going into the Punisher's lair and sort of the Punisher just appearing out of the darkness and scaring him. But yeah. I just love his There's like a... bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Better get out of here on the double. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm thinking they're thinking like, okay, I bet you the writers had a really good time writing lines for Shake because they're like, oh, well, let's do all the Shakespearean or actor jokes. Great, we can do that. But... It, it, it completely clashes with everything in the movie. Like, here's another bit. When you're first introduced to realise that he's actually, like, his informant, yeah. where he's kicked out of the bar. And this bit is genius. I hope, please tell me you have a clip of this. Um, where suddenly he's thrown out, he's lying down, he's in the gutter. And then a fucking 
VR, like RC truck comes out with a bottle of booze in the back seat. Yeah, I haven't got a clip of it because it's all visual. But it's like, yeah, literally, that yeah. is what happens. He, like, the Punisher isn't that silly. He kind of, he, it's a weird thing for him to do. He puts the bottle of whiskey on the truck and just kind of like lures Jake back to the alleyway like by him chasing this like truck it's just a silly just a really silly scene it's quite funny though there's a moment where you see him right, just chasing after it going hello hello <laughs> like, he, like he doesn't know who it's going to be like yeah. who else is going to do this right and then he turns around and Dolph Lundgren's there Frank Castle's there and he tells him like I was waiting to see you. Uh, uh, you were you're late by four hours. <laughs> so he's been waiting in the alley for four hours. <laughs> but he's not only waiting for four hours, right, to catch up with him, whether in that alley or wherever. He's also waiting four hours, knowing that he wasn't going to turn up. So he already has an RC truck with a bottle of whiskey waiting for him to lure him out in the case of that he doesn't do it. Yeah. This is so elaborate. Definitely. It's, it's, it's so silly. But it, it does create a funny scene, you know. Now he goes to here, but this is when the Yakuza come in with ninjas. Yeah, actually, there's there's a bit... Um, you get to meet the, the Yakuza, don't you? And like the, they kind of like sort of interrupt a meeting don't they and they sort of enforce yes. their enforce their demands so this is this is kind of what you're dealing with with the yakuza lady tanaka comes in with her mm. yakuza goons do you want a partnership define the term you will continue to manage and oversee all your business on a day-to-day basis we will assume the duties of executive administration investments and financial services. I'm not through. What do you propose as a split? 75% for us, 25% for you. (laughs) No fucking way am I gonna be a salary boy to some bunch of nips, got that? I don't know about the rest of you guys, but the DeLeo family gives up shit. Yeah. For nobody. Who the fuck do you think you are? I love this bit. We are Yakuza. When your ancestors were still shepherds screwing sheep on the Mediterranean coast. Ours were the animals of Asia. I'm not <laughs> the music. I'm making demands. And what if we choose not to comply? Steps are now being taken to ensure that you will. So you 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 introduce the accuser there, and they are badass, especially Lady Tanaka. She is the best thing in the movie, a thousand percent for me. Yeah, because the character is pure evil, almost cartoonish, but almost, but also to a point where, like, yeah, I can believe that you are this evil and manipulative. I'm totally game for it. Yeah. Um, because we're introduced, we're introduced to Tanaka that way, but uh, be, but at the pier. Oh my god! So the ninjas turn up, yeah, to take the boat, and at one point is throwing a whole bunch of like ninja star stuff. Not even like ninja star; it was like tiny little grenades with like spikes on them, and he's just they're just throwing it at him like all over the shop. It's just hilarious, and randomly out of the blue, a fucking samurai sword just spears a guy. Yeah, 
it's weird because Punisher turns up to like sort of take him out, and then obviously the accuser turns up as well. He gets involved. Why doesn't you just let them fight each other? It's like, he, he, there's no point. You may as well just stand there and watch because they're all killing each other anyway. This is the thing that confused me at the beginning because um, Frank Castle arrives a little too late because the bone arrives, it's still the Yakuza, and then they're just fighting each other. It's, do you know what this reminds me of completely? And I know this is going to be a bit of a dumb joke, but bear with me. Do you remember in The Simpsons? Okay. There's an episode of The Simpsons where Marge joins a pretzel company yeah. and then hires the mobsters, right? Yeah. Hires mobsters to help get the thing in. At the very, very end, there is a fight between the Yakuza and the Italian mobsters, right? Yeah. And that's, this scene just reminds me of that, especially with like, you know, there's one guy over there who hasn't done anything. And you know, when you turn around, he's going to do something awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the whole move, that whole sequence felt like that because they're just, they're, shooting, they're throwing guns at each other. There's samurai swords. There's goddamn like, tiny little grenade shurikens it's kind of great and then frank castle could have just frank castle doesn't know what their business is so he could have just, he could have just let them but he decides to get involved for no reason but in a cool way by shooting an arrow <laughs> through a guy and then zip lining down to join the rest of the pack yeah i've noticed in this movie that the another thing that's like like not like the comics is the the weapons that he uses a lot of the time they're not stuff that the that Punisher uses in the comic. Like he doesn't really use a crossbow, and he doesn't really overuse knives as well. And knives is a massive thing in this movie, isn't it? So it's it's, it's another thing. It yeah. kind of it makes you think. You know, the Punisher wouldn't do that. It's 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 annoying. Yeah. And one here's an actually here's a fact to it actually. Uh, the scriptwriters actually said there's a particular reason for this. It's, the Punisher in the movie never uses the same weapon twice. Um, it's sometimes and, and fans have always said that he's always, he seems to also just leave them behind for no reason. But the main reason is because he want the scriptwriters actually wanted to see show Frank Craft Castle to be a master of weaponry. So he has so he knows all kinds of weaponry in the case of. You know, whatever. So he would know how to use swords. He would know how to use crossbows. He'd know how to use that. But in real life, but in the character itself, is all he uses famously is Uzis. He was famous for coming in with machine guns and Uzis and just wiping the place clean. Yeah. Which is... And just like military grade, like assault rifles and stuff, like really sort of big, big guns. And it is... The, the fact that he was throwing the guns away is ridiculous because, let's face it, he's not got limitless funds, so he would need to keep those weapons, like the weapons that he's got, he would need to keep them. He can't just, like, discard them and get... Because he can't buy many new weapons. Where's he getting his money from? He hasn't... You know, it's... Yeah, because he's dead. <laughs> he's dead, apparently. So he can't go, he can't go to the shop. Hey, uh, um, I want to buy a couple of AK-47s. And just like, who are you? Um, I am Pank... Tassel, yeah, I'm Peg Tassel. Yeah, it, it can't do that. So it's a bit dumb. Yeah, I mean, there's a scene uh, shortly after this where, because obviously he thinks that they're they're going to kill each other now, and he's not bothered. Uh, and but then Shake convinces him to the the fact that they're they're going to uh, get the the kids, aren't they involved? Like they're going, the accuser are going to hold the kids. So he basically says, yeah. "You got to you got to save the kids." And his first step is to go and try and track him down at some lair. And he goes to like this place. It's like a warehouse at like a theme park or something. And he kind of yeah. he, he shoots loads of them in there with a machine gun. And that's quite Punisher like. That's quite a Punisher type scene, yeah. um, which is and pretty cool. Yeah, and 
Yeah, that contrasted with the with the with the set of like a fun house. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty fun actually, because mm. it's like a big fun. <laughs> the bit where all the ninjas are going down the slide is hilarious. Like that. They're all on their knees. It almost seems like you should add a sound effect of them going wee. <laughs> so all the ninjas seem to be going down the slide with with machine guns, just going wee. It's brilliant. It's that was funny. That made me laugh. Yeah. Um. But before uh, there's a bit as well where Frank Castle is now realizing that the Yakuza is involved because mm. it's like, okay, the Yakuza is getting into my business. And he, and you know, the whole thing is like, Oh, the Yakuza are guilty. I'm going after the Yakuza now. Okay, fine. Yeah. But you know, they could just kill each other off. I mean, let's, you know, I don't, I don't know, but they go and invade a, um, an underground casino owned by the Yakuza. Yeah. And just like destroys the place. To, like properly comes in from a rope gets a machine gun, just wipes everybody out, right? Yeah, yeah. At least the best to their ability. Um, but then, yeah, partners, you've got Jake and Sam saying, right, it's like, mm, I don't know what this is. There's one guy, it's this one, they drag this one Japanese guy in, and it's like, what is he doing here? He ain't talking. And it's like, he ain't talking. I don't know what he's legit. Li-. So, the, so he starts disrobing him randomly. Yeah. Like he starts taking off a jacket. And then, Sam just rips off the back of his shirt in one fell swoop. He's yeah. like, he's Yakuza. How did he know this? Ugh. I don't know. I'll tell you what, she's done that before, hasn't she? She's done this quick one swoop. She's like, okay, we know how to break it back of the T-shirt. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. It's so good. And that bit was good. You see what I mean? There's golden nuggets here, but... We're not actually seeing the plot of the movie really coherently because it's it's kind of jumping back and forth, but those bits are golden. Um, yeah, and she, I, I like the bit. There's an exchange between uh, those two as well, where like uh, she's using a computer to find out yes. perhaps the whereabouts of, of, of a castle, and like Jake is like a proper tech, technophobe, like saying, "What are you going to do with that thing? Play Miss Pac-Man? That kind of stuff." It's just like, <laughs> my God. It's, it's just really cheesy, it's but, funny. but she's like obviously into the modern sort of tech of way of tracking, like, and and she's, but she's very good for like a young police officer, um, proving herself yeah, like constantly. She's very good. Mm. Oh, actually, before that, we got we get to meet the the, the slave, the potential slave kids, and like, so they're back in the oh, layer, yeah. and there's a scene. I'll play this. Good. The money for the children. The slave business is very profitable. Hey, come on, don't cry. We're gonna be okay. We're not going to be okay. It's because of my father. I'm here. It's not true. Then why are we here, Mr. Nodoff? I don't know. I do. We're being held for ransom because our fathers are rich gangsters. Then why am I here? My father's not a gangster. Huh. What? Are you kidding? Your father's the biggest gangster and a coward. My dad said if he didn't run from his responsibilities, there wouldn't be this mess. Bullshit! You're bullshit! <laughs> so, you, you see, you learn from that scene that Tommy, Franco's son, doesn't even know his yes. father's the biggest gangster ever. <laughs> yeah, basically he's saying, oh, he's just a politician. No, no, no. I love the fact he's not only he's the biggest gangster, he's also a coward. I love yeah. how the guy's a kid. He's also a coward. Um, and, oh, at this point, uh, the... Uh, Miss uh, Miss Tanaka comes in 
and seems to be just like scouring the kids, like trying to say, I'm going to pick one of you and goes to the little girl and gives her a little bit of candy and going like, you come with me. Yeah. Tommy comes in and just pushes her with no, like no, no idea. Just pushes. Yeah. Right? And then he gets flung. Like he gets smacked and flung to the other side of the goddamn boiler room. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny because he comes back and this bit I wasn't expecting made me laugh. Just as they're about to exit and leave, you know, just like, a, okay, we're not going to do anything. We're about to leave. He gets a chair and smacks the guy in the back like a professional wrestler. I know. Just... <laughs> I thought he was going to do like a, like, like, it's like a pile driver on him after that or something. I swear. Because then, then the guy literally just punches him, knocks the kid the fuck out, grabs him and goes out of the room. That, the chair came out of nowhere. It's amazing. Kind of brilliant. Yeah, just to show that obviously that kid that kid's got some like fire, you know. But then after after that, yeah, you're right. You go to the torture bit. Then like Punisher's captured and he's being sort of tortured in like a rack, like a stretching rack, isn't it? Yeah, torture rack. Yeah, uh, a genuine torture rack. (laughs) Okay, interesting factoid about that 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 scene. Okay, Um, that scene itself was the the movie. That room was incredibly hot. Right, it was incredibly hot. It was warm. It was sticky. It was gross. Very humid. Whatever. To the point that Dolph Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren's body had to be wiped down between every scene because he was sweating that much. Yeah, but it's weird because he seems more sweaty in the meditation naked scene. That's when he seems more oily. But I think they wanted. Know, him to, think... They obviously wanted him to look like that in that scene, but they perhaps didn't want it. To him to look that sweaty in the torture. You think he'd he'd be like agitated and kind of scared though. Why why not have him sweaty? But I suppose it was it was not having so much that it was ridiculous. He might have been like looked like he was underwater or something. No, I was thinking more like it's, I think it's like you know what it's so sweaty. Yeah, I think I think I wouldn't be surprised because that that torture rack doesn't look very um, what's the word stable. So if 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 it was really sweaty, I wouldn't be surprised if he could just slip out of the goddamn cuffs, just out of sweat alone. Yeah, <laughs> just like I can't stay in, too slippery and sticky. So every scene had to be wiped clean, like a proper full body pat down with a towel. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a little clip um, from that scene. That was a very expensive question you asked at our place the other night. cost us nearly two million dollars in the cash. How much pain do you think that buys? Quite that question, true, false, or multiple choice. <laughs> Such Neither. a... Oh, man. Wasn't didn't I read as well that the actress that played Lady Snacker was really like fascinated by Dolph Lundgren's body, and like the the yes. bit that where she was kind of st- sort of caressing him with her like sort of like thimble like thing on her finger was like improvised. Yes. She, she wasn't she wasn't meant to do that, but she was kind of fascinated. She just kind of had to touch it. <laughs> well, you know, if you see Dolph Lundgren eighties, you know, you do want to touch it because yeah. he is like perfectly ad and sculpted. But it's just, yeah, that was another random little bit as mm. well. Um, again, what, the thing that's all about Dolph Lundgren's delivery on it, that line, you know, it's like, is it multiple choice or whatever it is, right? True false. It's true false or multiple choice, right? For me, 
right? If it was delivered by anybody else, it would have been like really like witty. Yeah. When delivered by Dolph Lundgren, who sounds tired and looks like he doesn't want to be there, um, it's just he's basically flat. It, it's owned out. Flat as fuck, isn't it? <laughs> the reason why we're laughing at it because we know that the line could be delivered better, and it's so not the case. The thing um, is, his delivery on lines is very similar to uh, Schwarzenegger, but for some reason, Schwarzenegger has more comedy. Like, you la- really laugh at Schwarzenegger's delivery on his lines. Uh, but they yeah. are delivered in a similar way. What's the difference, do you, do you think? Why do we laugh and appreciate Schwarzenegger more than Dolph? I think he knows comic timing. Mm. He knows when to say it or how to say something in a particular way, even if he does sound deadpan. Yeah. He just knows the right way of saying it, mm. right? Dolph Lundgren doesn't in this movie. And even then, his character doesn't suit it. So even then, when he's trying to do witty one-liners throughout the movie... It doesn't work because Frank Castle isn't a one-liner guy. Frank Castle is literally a wreck stuff and leave. You know, he doesn't come in with witty one-liners. He goes in, kills everyone, and then fucking dodges. Yeah. So when it, when he's being tortured in that scene, eventually, like Lady Snacker says, "I've got business to attend to," so she leaves, and then you can see yes. him slowly, like sort of undoing the wing nut. Of his like, yeah. of his like uh, yeah. restraints, and he basically uh, he escapes, and he then he puts the bad guy that was going to torture him in the other torture act that's there, and he sort yeah. of quest- he questions him, doesn't he? And it's like this. I don't want to stretch this out, so why don't you tell me this? Don't want to stretch this out. Take care of the little ones. Shake is so creepy. Cooperation. So he gets him to. He asks him where the kids are, and he he tells him, but he still leaves the machine on to stretch him to death. But like Shake in that scene is like, go. I'll take care of the little ones. It sounds really creepy. It is creepy. Can I just throw one thing I noticed about the scene that made no sense to me? And I was looking through it several times to see if I could find a connection, but there's nothing. Do you notice that the doctor at the very end of that sequence where he's being stretched? Do you notice there's a pair of red high heel shoes he's wearing? Yeah. What is that about? Is that is that from a scene that was cut? Or I don't know. Because it's never seen. Like we never see his feet. So we never because you, you never know. He could be he could be into high heels. I don't know. Is it uh, nothing's mentioned? I've looked at all the facts. And there's no mention of these red high heel shoes. So I thought I was going insane when I'm thinking, why is there high heel shoes on the rack? Like, yeah. why? The, the, the only, it's a stretch, but the only thing can think of is they are, they belong to Lady Tanaka and she was going to use them in the torturing. But like, it's just a massive stretch, that, isn't it? It's like. That's I'm thinking, it's, you never see him take, you, ne- you never see her take off her shoes. In no. fact, one of her big things is that she, you hear her first walking in before you see her. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's famous. All the scenes are like that. So she is about the high heel shoes. But it makes no sense that she has, that he's wearing high heel shoes unless, unless he's into that. If he's into that, super. But we don't see the scene with the doctor walking in in high heel shoes. I don't know. It drove me bananas. Oh, it, I, it, I it is. It is really frustrating to not know what that's about. It's, I, I mean, it's got to be to, something that was cut 
Like we've seen a couple of ba- we've seen plenty of bad movies where certain things just are mysteries where they never explain it. Like there's a scene where this happens and we never see it again. This is now on my long list of movie mysteries. <laughs> what yeah. happened to the high heel shoes in The Punisher? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> after the, after torture scene, basically uh, he ends up trying. He ends up going to. He, does he ever get? No, he doesn't get arrested. Um, it's. I'm trying to find out where exactly we are in the plot. Basically, because by that point he. He knows the location of the kids, so he steals a bus. I've got, a, I've got a clip of him stealing a bus. Yes, yes. Okay, he's picking up the kids. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. So basically, he he stole this bus thinking it was empty and there's a guy still on there and he lets him off. And so he's got now, he's got a vehicle to get all the kids out of there. All of them. He gets them all out at once, which is kind of genius. Gets them all out. Uh, He gets all of them except Tommy, right? Tommy's the only one who doesn't get picked up. Well, I've got a couple of clips on this this bit because there's like there's a, there's a bit where he he kind of shows his sort of sensitive side because he he appears he he would be this sort of scary character but he appears in front of the little girl and says this. Mm. It's all right. Don't be afraid. I'm here to take you home. So yeah, he, he he sort of goes down to the the little girl's level, and convinces yeah. her that he's a uh, is he's there to, to to rescue them, and um yeah this so he, he busts yeah. so he busts out the kids, um mm-hmm. and you know somehow he knows who they all are as well because he he says like he said he calls them by name and then he also the little girl at one point kind of sort of disappears so he says where where she, where's she gone and uh. They, they track her down and she she says this. This is the creepiest thing I've ever heard. Listen to this. I came back for my dolly. I came back for my dolly. Imagine this playing over and over like on a record player in a horror movie. I came back for my dolly. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. It's, it's, okay, well, we're getting into sort of like a Annabelle situation here. We're getting to that kind of level. The conjuring is being played yeah. constantly. In a loop. I came back for my dolly. <laughs> So creepy. So yeah, he's got now he gets all the kids out of there, and they're all in the bus. And but then the cops track them down, don't they? So the cops chase them for a minute, and he can't really get out of it. So he has to kind of just stop the bus and get arrested. Yeah, and you can actually see him like carrying one some of the one of the kids like in his arms Mm. as he's walking down the stairway. And the thing is, look, the way we're describing that image could be cool. Him busting out of uh, busting out within a school bus with all the kids and uh, dropping it and dropping it off directly in front of the police and you're like you know what that's cool and everything but it doesn't it never felt cool to the point that I almost forgot half that sequence um, yeah and I think that's the problem with this movie as a whole there are moments there which should be awesome but are dull and it leads to this a little bit afterwards he gets arrested he gets arrested like with like full like yeah I'm allowing you to do this right. Mm. And he's he goes to jail, and that means Jake's partner has this conversation with him. 
and it is a it is an over is a dramatic powerhouse. It is this is the bit where I'm going, whoa, this is this is this is this is Oscar worthy drama. But then you got Dolph Lundgren just being a wet sock. Well, I've got I'll play the clip in a minute, but I just want to say this is an Academy Award winning actor, Louis Louis yes. uh, Gossett Jr. He won uh, yes. he won an Oscar for his supporting role in Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, and yes. basically he is a power acting powerhouse as you say but he's got nothing to bounce off because Dolph is awful but let's just listen to this scene go for it how you been is he Frank is dead. All right? Oh, let's see. So you, uh, decided everybody else had to be dead, too, is that it? No. If you're guilty, you're dead. Courts decide who are guilty, not cops. They hereby swear to uphold the law. Remember? I've been looking for you for five years now. Why the hell didn't you come to me for help? I didn't need your help. You know that, don't you? And what the fuck do you call 125 murders in five years? Huh? Work in progress. Flapping, arms flapping around his head and stuff at this point. Let me in! Let me in! Oh man, it's a powerhouse sequence. Well, fuck you. Go ahead and die. The Frank and you died five years ago. Fuck you! Yeah, he's he is such a good actor. Like, mm. yeah, and in his he, that scene is he gives you goosebumps. He's really good in it. Obviously, Dolph's like he's mm. just trying his best, but you can't really com- compete with the with Dolph, uh, <laughs> I know. With Lewis. Dolph looks tired and done. He like he looks like a wet sock. He is a sour lemon. He is just the he is the flattest of pancakes. But here's an interesting factoid about that: director Mark Goldblatt actually purposely kept Dolph Lundgren and and Lu- and Lewis uh, Gossett Jr. away from each other until that scene. Yeah. So this was actually the first time they met, right? Right. So Gothic's character visiting the punch in jail, they did that on purpose. So therefore, the first time they met properly, they, it made the scene more authentic and uneasy, which, yeah. But it also shows that these two haven't rehearsed in the same room because you can see how, you can see how Jake, uh, Jake is just properly, like, going full-on actor mode and Dolph is not giving him a lick. <laughs> Yeah, he's so one-sided, but it's a shame because like his mm. 
His line delivery gives you goosebumps. He's really, really good, as I've said. I'll say it numerous times. But, yeah, I just wish that he had something better to work with. Can I say this? This is the first time I think we might ever have this on the trash tapes, because usually in most of these movies, the acting is atrocious, right, Mm. in most of these movies. Could this actually be a first where this is the first time that we got genuinely a fantastic performance in a crappy movie out of all the movies we've watched? Oh, definitely. Yeah. If we had, if we had, some, if we had some kind of like awards, like Trash Day for Awards, this would be the best acting it goes to. Like best, best acting yeah, in a bad movie. Best acting in a shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah. This goes to, it goes to him a thousand percent. That whole sequence of the jail was like, oh, wow. Oh, inspiring. Moving. Excellent. After that sequence, there's a dream sequence. But can I just explain this one thing for a minute? Let's talk about the sewers for a minute, because we haven't really talked about it. These sewers are narrow as fuck. Yeah. Who constructed this? Because there's no room for movement. A a motorcycle can barely go through it at all. There's no movement. How do people move down here? And then obviously in his lair, there's barely any room in his lair. It's all cramped. Mm. It's too cramped, even for a sewer. So who's who's the mastermind who said, like, this looks great? It doesn't. It just looks like everyone's uncomfortable to walk in. Yeah, I'm convinced it's just that they <laughs> I reckon they thought, well, the turtles is popular. And they live in the sewers. Let's just go with the sewers. But even their sewers is big and roomy. Yeah. Like, where the fuck is this? And then, so basically, you see, uh, you see Frank Castle in these narrow as fuck corridors that they call a sewer uh, on a motorcycle, getting like these lights going past and everything else. And this is one of the first few times he's having them dream sequences where he's getting all the flashbacks, where we finally get to see about the family murder, where we get to see clips that were clearly cut from the original movie. Yeah. Damn it! A whole bunch of stuff like that that should have been put in and everything else, and. Uh, just feels it, it, and then he just wakes up. He's in jail. Ah, oh no, and stuff like that. And it's he has these nightmares, and they're very under. They're, they're not really like eased in because the way it's cut, like you know, uh, Jake's character closes the door, and then suddenly he's he's driving down the sewers. So in my mind thinking, didn't fucking escape? Did he move? What yeah, happened? that, that escape the jail. That was exactly my thoughts. First of all, I was yeah. thinking, oh, they just let him go. What the hell's going on? And then it turns out it's all a dream, which is bollocks. Don't don't do that to me, movie. Don't trick me like that. I got angry. Um, so shortly after, oh yeah, that, after yeah, yeah, shortly after yeah. that, he's they're being transported somewhere, isn't he? Obviously, I don't know to, to another jail or to be uh, to court or something. And uh, Sam mm-hmm. is in there with him, and and yes. it, it's like her turn to have like a big exchange. Uh, dialogue exchange with him as well like a similar, with with not much coming back as well so there's a clip here's a clip of those two having a dialogue exchange he resigned from the force after he saw you he lived for the day he found you so that he could help you that's all he had and now you've taken that away he's your best friend why do you want to take him down with you 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 were his life before this ever happened and you've been his life ever since and you fucking well know that how long do you think someone can live after you've cut out their heart a long time like you 
Is that what you want for Jake? To live like you? Call him. What? I said, call So that scene's kind of overshadowed by the previous one because obviously his... Uh, the Jake and Punish and Jake and Frank scene was obviously really good, and then that's this yeah. is a similar scene but with Sam and Frank, and, and, and it, she's all right. Yeah, but nowhere near as good as as Lewis uh, Gossett. Nowhere near as good as and, Lewis. Who? Yeah, basically during uh, uh, shortly after that, he's uh, there's like some kind of accident and he's sort of kidnapped by Franco's men. Basically, isn't it? Yeah, but the, the thing that's made me funny is because this was barely the. I saw this bit and it was. It took me by surprise because again, no foreshadowing. Where the truck is driving and then suddenly a truck comes and they just they, they just smack. Yeah. Like boosh! Like, where the fuck did this truck come from? It just appeared. Okay, right. And then you know Franco's men, like you mentioned, kidnaps him, and um, they're interrogating him, putting smelling salts and stuff like that. And it leads to him realizing, look, you and I have to work together because Mr. Lady Tanaka has my son and I need you to help him. We can, not only can we stop all the crime stuff, I need you to help my son. And, you know, we're calling this a truce. Like he's saying, like, we're calling this a truce for now. I yeah. love it because the Punisher they also says, like, the moment you like, the moment we're done, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, let's have, a, let's have a listen to that scene. I wasn't supposed to. If I could and do it, I would, but I can't. I swear this on the life of my son, Thomas Anthony. I want him back. I can't do it myself, or I would. I need you, Castle. I'll give you anything you want. I'll do anything you wish. Say something. Fuck you. Fuck you, asshole. Let me put <laughs> Yeah. So basically, he's bringing out Jake at this point and th- threatening him at gunpoint. Yeah. I'm not gonna ask you twice, Castle. So that so he's agreed to help Franco, which is something the Punisher would never do. I know, I know, it's kind of he's forced because he's in that situation because his partner's held at gunpoint. But the Punisher yes. would never ever team up with a, a, a criminal, like he and wouldn't not, even not, not just a criminal, the criminal that killed his family. No, he just he just wouldn't do it. He, he would like yeah, he, he would. I basically just wouldn't put him in that situation if I was writing it because that just wouldn't happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a mess. Um, I, I, I look, I get what they're trying to do is like, hey, you know, we're working together. But I always thought by this point, this was the reason to me why I was saying, okay, this is why the Punisher's actually getting involved in any of this. Mm. Because the more I was sitting there thinking, like, where does the Punisher actually fall into this between this yakuza and Italian mobster? 
situation. Mm. Because like I said, most of the time, he would just be sitting. It, it was up to me. And Frank is like, oh, the mobs are killing each other. Okay. If they're just killing each other and not like getting involved and like killing innocent people or whatever it is, that's fine. It was only until Shake said, but there are children involved. It's like, God damn it. Fine. I'm doing it because you told me this kids. And then it goes in there and he just getting himself more deeper into a hole that he didn't actually need to. Yeah. The way um, Punisher would actually deal with this situation like this was, was dealt with in the TV series where he would get the, all the gangs to, to meet at a, at a place. Like he, he would think that they were gonna, something was going to go down. He would get them all in a room together, then just shoot them all. That's what he does in the TV series. And that's how he would deal he with a situation times, yeah. like this. He wouldn't team up yeah. with one of them to, to take down the other. It's just, it's a silly thing to write in to a situation. It's, it's silly and it feels like it's a plot contrivance just so they could actually, uh, like, make it work. To make, to give Frank Castle a reason to be involved in the plot. Yeah. And the thing uh, is, it's totally undermined by the fact that, like, he, shortly after, Jake escapes anyway doesn't he? So he was kind of doing it for Jake to, to free him, but then Jake escaped, because there's a, here's a clip of Jake escaping. Can I ask you a Yeah. What? Is an IQ test required for this job? No. I didn't think so. Hey, man, I got the pizza. Death by pizza slice. Punch you in the face by pizza, and then I, lo- I like it's cool because Jake actually picks up some of the pizza for, like from the box and just like he, so he's got good in one hand, pizza in the other, and just strolling out there. He's a really cool guy. I mean, wouldn't you like it's, yeah. it's free pizza? I always feel like pizza's a food you never turn down. If someone says no, I don't want pizza, it's like what's wrong with you? Everyone wants a slice of pizza. It doesn't matter what you're into. So Frank Castle and uh, and Franco and all the other guys, they all go, they all go to the Yakuza's penthouse suite, which is on the forty first floor, which you need a special key in order to get in. Interesting fact about the following few sequences, because there's a whole bunch of fight scenes at this moment in time, like actual like hand to hand combat. Mm. Right. First of all, they actually got uh, instead of stunt doubles for any of the Yakuza members. Right. They actually got famous martial artists. They actually got real martial artists, karate champions as well. Okay. so pretty much anyone involved in the fight in involving the Yakuza family are actually all karate champions in some capacity, including the mute daughter of of, of Miss Tanaka, who we haven't mentioned, because that's a thing. Yeah, she's pretty cool as well, but she doesn't get enough screen time, really, does she? Well, and plus, she has no character other than the fact that she's a mute. Yeah. No, so, it's, it's a shame, because she, she seems like she would be pretty cool. But no, I think you get you see in a couple of fights, that's it. Yeah, so she's so basically those three, the main, like the two main heavies and the, uh, the two main heavies and uh, her are all karate champions. Now, here's the thing. All the fight sequences are performed with real contact by the actors. The director actually said he wanted to give them a, give the fight a sense of realism, and especially because the karate champions had a sense of honour and would not allow them to fake it. Right. So, the free karate champs saying, no, we are not, we don't fake it. Because they're not stunt, they're not, here's the thing, they are not stunt doubles, they're not stunt people no. who know how to fake a fight. They're actual fighters 
So they will quite literally, so the size of, I'm just going to punch you. And Dolph Lundgren's like, sure, okay, we're going to literally punch each other. So that whole sequence, the reason why that all those fights look a bit rough is because they're actually getting punched. Yeah. But it's good though. I think it, it, it it's quite. It's like the only sort of fight, sort of sequence that kind of looks. Those sequences there in the, the Yakuza's like layer, they're kind of like yeah. really good fights. So it does. It it's has paid off. I mean, it looks realistic. But I mean, to me personally, I feel like it's missing the panaz that it feels like it should have had. Like it should have had a little bit more, like a bit more kung fu, a little bit more snazziness, a little bit of coolness, a bit of script. Yeah. It just looked like, it's like, I'm going to punch you. It's like, oh God, I actually, it looks like, oh my God, you actually kicked him. Especially when there's a bit where Dolph Lundgren's down on his knees and the guy, one guy's just keep on kicking him in the gut. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my God, he's actually getting kicked in the gut here. Because you can't... Those chore- are real bruises. You can't choreograph that, can you? It's, it's got to be real. So mm. there's, uh, you can't shoot it in an interesting way because you don't know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, so the idea is is that there's real... Con- so there must be slight choreography. But it means, like, you're not going to see how things are reacting. If I punch you... If I basically punch you in the face, I'm not entirely sure if you're going to respond in the same way I'm expecting you to respond. Yeah. So, yeah, they got actually battered. Also in this scene, he gets uh, Shake involved, to, like, with the timers on some, like, bombs. So he, the first bomb yeah. will blow the lights. So everything in the... Everything in the... All these fight scenes are bathed in, like, a red kind of, like temporary light like because all the lights have mm. gone out and it makes the the image look really shit because red light does not do things good to cameras basically so the, i was the, going to say the the scenes yeah, look was... awful under that red light but it's just meant to be a kind of a, a cool thing that it's meant to be in the dark uh and he says that the second timer will blow up everything else so that he's, he's put shake in charge of that this weird alcoholic guy <laughs> and, uh, who, who, who literally can't hold this yeah and he's just and he's about to, uh, here's a bit where he first he blows the lights which is fine before he blows up the second thing though shake drops the actual mechanism into the gutter i think it is yeah and it's like ah oh, shit <laughs> yeah. he tries his best to get it and he can't get it oh man that's but funny. i love that the scene where franco and and uh and castle are in in the elevator they're about to sort of like uh, go into the, the 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 place and fight all the guys. And Franco mm. says this to him. May I ask you a question. What's the reason behind you killing all those guys? There's a limit to revenge. Well, I guess I haven't reached one yet. And while we're on the subject of Franco in this scene, his outfit. Mm-hmm. Is the most eighties thing ever. He's got the he's got a stonewashed denim jacket with the collar turned up, and he's all of a sudden in this casual like eighties sort of cool outfit. He looks like every generic eighties henchman. Yeah. Like he's supposed to be the mob boss and put him in like in a cool fucking suit. Because here's a bit when Franco finally gets the lights back, it's the lights back on and so on. They find Tommy held by, Miss, by Mrs. Tanaka, who is in full, almost like geisha gear. Yeah. And it looks really cool, right? Yeah. She's she's holding like a dagger to, his, to, to the throat and it looks really, really cool and everything else. And they're running around and so on and the fights are happening. Like there's one bit, there's one bit that made me laugh during the fight sequences is where uh, 
it looks like the one, one of the henchmen is behind Franco trying to get this thing. And then through the, t- literally, uh, through the paper walls, Dolph Lundgren just spins him yeah. right into the other room. Yeah. yeah. It's actually, I mean, you, you mentioned Lady Snacker at the end there. She's basically got Tommy, uh, the Franco's mm. son, held at, at knife point. And you get, really get to see yeah. some of the evil sort of intensity of Lady Snacker in that scene. Let's just have a listen to this. The gun in your mouth. <clears throat> you have my word, he will live. How do I know you'll keep it? You don't. Some chance is better than no chance. All the way in. So she's forcing the, the son to watch. <laughs> that laugh. It's awesome. And here's Dolph. <laughs> and, okay, we're getting to the ending, so we might as well get to the endings. So, this is a big problem for me, because what you just heard was Dolph Lundgren. First of all, he's already beaten up the other three goons. Then Dolph Lundgren, literally out of nowhere and by fucking coincidence, jumps through a door and throws one of his skull-based daggers right into Miss, uh, like, Miss Tanaka's head, right? Yeah. And it's so anticlimactic to me because it came out of fucking nowhere. And now one of the big bosses is dead, right? Yeah, I mean, is dead. she's we're meant to be one of the most, like, uh, feared villains in the movie. And she doesn't get a good death. She just gets a cheap death, doesn't she? After that bit, then, they, you know, there's a bit with Franco and Castle where the point is actually saying, well, you know, well, now it's over. So it's like, Tommy's like, you know, get, get behind me. Don't, don't get involved because he's about to kill him. So that so Frank is about to kill Frank Castle. And, all, and again, this is the person who has killed your family, right? So you're expecting like another big glorious death, but it does, but it also ends. His death is also a bit like, well, kind of anticlimactic because all they do is scuffle a bit and then a gun goes off. He gets shot. And then he dies. Yeah, there's a rough and tumble. Basically, Franco says, well, thanks for your help. You've eliminated all the competition. So now we can rule the, the, the uh, all drug trade, basically. And then he says now, and then, he, yeah, and then he, they, so he, and I'm going to kill you. And then they, but then because of Tommy doesn't really want, because Frank had rescued Tommy. Tommy doesn't want yes. Frank to die. So she kind of, he, he kind of stops his dad from kind of shooting him and gets involved. Franco mm. pushes him back. So they have a tussle, but then actually Franco ends up getting shot. And, yeah. uh, but then sort of Tommy's a bit sort of like confused at that point because he, he picks up the gun yeah. and says, says, I'm going to kill you for killing my dad. Uh, and here's an exchange between Tommy and Castle. I'm going to kill you. Good. Maybe if you get it over with now. 
you won't grow up to be like him. But he can't. He can't. Struggling. So now, yeah, and also, uh, actually, there's another bit of that. Mm-hmm. You're a good boy, Tommy. Grow up to be a good man. Because if not... I'll be waiting. <laughs> Threatens the kid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, that th- that's quite a, a cool sort of scene with with a kid. Uh, the only bit, yeah, the only bit that's like fairly okay acting is when uh, Dolph's with the kids. Uh, you know, like <clears throat> that, that's the only time it feels kind of genuine. Like when when he's with Tommy and when he's rescuing the little girl. They're the only bits that I thought actually this quite this, this acting's all right here. I, I think I think the reason why is because he's because he, he's his acting's now being compared to kids acting. So in other words, then it's all like, well, you know, he's pretty good compared to this kid. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like it's, you're not like going to be compared to all the other actual genuine like good actors and the other guys just outshining them but immensely. Because of this fact, though, it's maybe want to go and check out Kindergarten Cop too because he's obviously <laughs> he might be quite good yeah, for the kids. That, but- yeah, yeah, isn't that? Well, that's weird. I, I, I can't even fathom that one. That one going to be weird. And the movie pretty much ends there with Jake actually trying to get to the place, but then Castle's missing, and he's like, "Castle!" It's uh, but it's kind of funny. Actually. It kind of ends with another one of those sewer monologues by. Uh, yeah, let's have a listen to this. I still talk to guys sometimes. I ask him if what I'm doing is right or wrong. I'm still waiting for an answer. And until I get one, I'll be out here. Waiting. Watching. The guilty will be punished. Dun, 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 dun. My God. And it ends. It's hilarious. And then you get the, um, end, the end credits. Like this. And we can talk over that. I'll just turn it down a bit. Yeah, and so that's how the movie ends. It ends, I feel like the movie kind of ends on a whimper, not a bang. Because the opening first 10, 15 minutes of the movie is by far the most action-packed, ridiculously over-the-top cheese I was expecting. Yeah. And then it never beats it, and the bad guys end on a very, like, anticlimactic note. Yeah, totally. It, it is a bit, a bit disappointing, because you want that payoff, don't you, at the end? You want it to be, you want a good fight... And you just don't mm. get it. Uh, you just you just end with just more naked Dolph, which is which kind of could be a good thing, but you, you kind of want you want a bit more than that. Don't you? I don't know. I don't know. Final factoid to wrap things up uh, yeah. before we go into figure out how we genuinely thought about the movie. Uh, there was a sequel briefly announced at the Mil- at, at the Milan film market in 1990. Right, there yeah. were already scripts being written. 
But it's also despite the fact that the new owners of New World Pictures were not interested in having theatrical films. They were not interested. No. And it was being short on money. So the film was never developed. Uh, but Dolph Lundgren actually just flat out refused to reprise the role afterwards anyway because of how disappointed he was with the movie itself. But be honest, mate. Look at yourself, mate. <laughs> Look at yourself. You pretty much want the worst things in it. I've got actually a good response. I was going to say, who is better than Dolph in this movie? And I've got a clip that responds to that. Everyone! Yes! Thank you, Gary Oldman, for giving me that fantastic little moment. Perfect. Honestly, perfect. <laughs> Crash Thank you. Right, so for those who are the first time they've ever joined in, uh, thank you very much for listening. And this is how we grade our... This is called the Trashometer, where there's five stages of, of filth, I like to call it, of trash, um, where we kind of put a percentage and figure out where it falls on the Trashometer. At the bottom is Tame. Tame basically means that we found the movie really boring or nothing really interesting with it tiny bit trashy is where we with there's a few little nuggets of gold there's a few little nice little bits there but it's not really a so bad it's good movie it's not right there in the pinnacle of it's a good watch trash is the sweet spot it's the golden goose it's a wow the chef's kiss of bad movies we've already had quite a few in that category and i i'm not i'm spoiler alert i don't think this one's gonna fit in it you then got too trashy too trashy basically means that it's now getting to the point where while it was a fun watch, there are things that are starting to annoy us, things that are just starting to get angry, things that don't really work, things that we're starting to get annoyed with. It's no longer getting as fun as we want to. And then there's torture. Torture is downright a movie that is, is no longer fun to watch. It is anger-inducing. It is ridiculous. It's confusing. Mental breakdowns occur when you watch this film. Mm. So, Ed, where do you think the Dolph Lundgren 1989 version of The Punisher falls on the trashometer? Um, I think it is only a tiny bit trashy. I agree with that um, because it's not it's, it's it's not it's not as um, it's not trashy enough constantly to be enjoyable. There are moments where I was getting angry at it, but not because, but I think it's just mostly out of his pure incompetence rather than anything. And even then it got dull most of the time. Yeah, it's not, because the thing is, if there was loads and loads of trashy stuff and it became, mm. then it would become too much, but there isn't enough of that. So it's kind of, there is boring yeah. elements and there's, there's crap elements, but there are only, there's little bits of trashiness here and there, which are sort of quite good. So they basically, it, it should fall under a tiny bit, I think. It's not I tame. So. It's not definitely think, not tame. So. No, it's definitely not tame. Because the whole movie wasn't boring. And mm. not, not even that. Like it's, uh, But it's not even like good enough to not be trashy, if that makes sense. Just because like, like we did with The Flash. We did The Flash movie before. And that movie was was actually... That, that movie was so good that we had to give it tame because there was nothing trashy about it. It was a good movie. Yeah. This is not a good movie. But it's not enough good... It's not enough bad... And it's not enough angry to fall into any of the higher categories. I think it kind of falls almost like in the middle, directly in the middle of Tiny Bit Trashy. Yeah, definitely.
before we sort of think thank you very much for joining us, especially if this is the first time listening to one of our podcasts, uh, we have um, we have a lot on other places. So we have YouTube. So we have things like Enigmatic Productions. We have the Trash Tapes YouTube, where we upload some older episodes and also some cute little videos here and there. And then we've also got Enigmatic Play, which is part of our Twitch stuff, as well as also have a YouTube channel there where you can look at some of our video gaming stuff in that what you're into subscribe on to any of those youtube channels uh, sub- uh, follow us on twitch um which you can easily find on twitch.tv forward slash enigmatic play you can also uh very easily just join us on any of the social media we're on instagram we're on facebook we are on twitter um and so just you can want to find any information about any of the stuff that we're doing over the time do not hesitate to subscribe to any of those as well and so on that note, uh, we'll leave you guys. Thank you very much for joining and keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you guys next time. See ya. Oh my God. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles.